We Turned Out Okay is a show about children and families. You get to see into the mind of a child development expert, and you'll learn tons about kids and why they do what they do. It's for grown-ups, so it's not always G-rated. But it's almost always PG. And we'll let you know when it's PG-13 or higher. Also, you can expect some rabbit holes and detours. But we return to the topic at hand. Besides, rabbits are awesome. What have you got against rabbits? Anyway, sit back, relax, and prepare to learn about how to stay sane while raising your little kids. Enjoy the show! Come on, guys! We turned out okay. The modern parent's guide to old school parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Hello and welcome to We Turned Out Okay. This is episode 261 of the show that helps you change your child's behavior from bad to good, feel happy inside, and truly enjoy the time you spend with your family. I am Karen Locke Culp. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. I am a child development expert and a parent coach. And today I'm really, really excited to bring you a conversation with Maureen Healy, who's the author of a great book called The Emotionally Healthy Child. And um, I think it's a book that you might get a lot out of uh, if you have young children, because everybody has emotions, including our, our kids. And um, this book is so, it includes a ton of practical exercises and great things. And I link to to this and everything else I'm going to talk about in the in the show notes for this episode, which are located at weturnedoutok.com slash 261. And so I have a couple of other things I want to get into before we, I bring you this episode. And I think I'm going to start with the, 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 the YouTube live is a really, it is a really good one this week. And I think it's, it, it's going to connect up to this episode. In fact, I know it will because I've spoken with Maureen about it and, and she's in agreement that this would be a cool thing to do. So Today, you will hear coming up in this episode, Maureen and I talk about an exercise that she teaches called the iceberg exercise. And really what what we're doing is we're helping our kids understand we don't just feel stuff above the neck, like our emotions don't just go on in our mind, they're attached into our bodies as well. And so you'll hear Maureen talk about this in this episode, because this was one of my favorite exercises in like the whole book. And she gave me permission to take you through this exercise in this week's YouTube Live video. So every Thursday, I do a YouTube Live. Uh, I usually do them at around 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you happen to be a subscriber to my YouTube channel, which again, you can do just by clicking to these show notes, you can, you'll get a notification that I'm, that I'm going live. And so you might be able to be there for the actual live taping of this, which would be kind of cool. <laughs> um, but e- even if you miss that on Thursday, because I said, as I said, I do them on Thursdays. So at some point Thursday, well, even if you go to our show notes now, you'll see uh, I embedded the post, the the YouTube live that I'm going to do in there. And it'll say like, oh, this is going to happen in so many hours or whatever. And or minutes if, you, if you're getting close to 7am uh, Eastern Standard Time, which is when I set it up to start. Although I may not always necessarily be there at 7am. So um, that's why I say you, you never know when this is going to show up. But anyway, if it's if you're listening to this in real time, it'll be a day or so before I can do that. But uh, if you're listening, and it's Thursday, uh, it might be well worth your time to click the show notes, which you can find just by looking down into your podcatcher and going on over to this episode at weturnedoutok.com, because that's where you'll be able to see the <clears throat> the iceberg exercise that Maureen has given me permission to take you guys through. She asked that um, if you want to know about know more about it or about her or about the book or about um, all the cool stuff she does that you go to growinghappykids.com. And I think you should do that. <laughs> so okay, so that's what's happening in YouTube this week. Uh, I usually do a magic words for parents. It's a quick, super quick Facebook live on Mondays. And this past Monday was a Martin Luther King Day. So uh, the magic words for parents is off this week. But um, but that's all right, because if you're in the group, there's a whole bunch of other uh, 
past magic words for parents, which I have now learned how to tag so that you can see them all. And um, yeah, it's a good place to be on a Monday or any day of the week, really. <laughs> the the We Turned Out Okay Facebook group is where I do those. So you can get to those by going to facebook.com slash we turned out okay. And then clicking the group. Uh, there's like a button for, for going to the group. Or you can, again, just go to these show notes. So that's the next thing I wanted to talk about. Okay, so Trisha Tomazo, I'm so excited about this. Friend of the podcast, uh, friend of mine, personal friend of mine, colleague of mine, a woman who is a special needs teacher for uh, for young kids. Um, she's been in, in the preschool program that I used to work in. She is there still, and she is helping kids every day in there. And she's going to be coming back for another round of Ask the Experts here on We Turned Out Okay. And we did an episode back in the fall. Uh, it was episode 248. So if you go to weturnedoutok.com slash 248, that's how you can go right to those show notes. And 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 uh, what we did was we answered a whole bunch of questions that we got from, from parents, from listeners, from people in the ninja parenting community, from Facebook, people I found out, you know, who found me or who I've connected with on Facebook. Um, lots of ways to get in touch with me. And what we want is for you to give new questions. Trisha and I are hoping to get some more questions that we can we can answer. And um, you can get us those questions anytime before February the 8th of 2019. So that gives you, by my reckoning, uh, a little, little more than two weeks, right? So say two and a half weeks. And um, we are happy to answer any questions. You can get the benefit of two child development experts. Um, we can answer questions on your child, your child's schooling, your child's daycare, your relationship with your child, your your family life. I mean, like there's a lot of things that that go into having a happy family. And uh, that's what we want for you. So get your questions in for Trisha and I by Friday, February the 8th. And um, and you can do that by by emailing me, Karen at weturnedoutok.com or by going to my contact page, or by finding me in Facebook, messaging me in Facebook, uh, or just replying to a post that you see, like, for example, in Facebook, <laughs> any of those places will work. Um, really looking forward to your questions and, and excited to be helpful. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is our another friend of the podcast, Audrey Monkey, has a show of her own called Sunshine Parenting. She, if you remember, is a summer camp director. She has been for a really, really long time. And um, she's got a book coming out in the in the spring, which is called Happy Campers. And I'm going to get her back on the show uh, for that. But she she did a really, really awesome thing. And she brought me on her show when my most recent book launched. It's called 10 Secrets Happy Parents Know. And Audrey brought me back on there. And um, it was just a, it was a really great conversation. And I think you might find it useful. Plus, um, I, I just love Audrey's whole podcast. I mean, she's she's got a, a really unique take on on parenting and kids from her summer camp experiences. And um, I don't know, she's just such a, such a great person. So Audrey, if you're listening, hello, hello. And uh, everybody, you can go to sunshineparenting.com and it's episode number 69 was the episode that we just recorded. And um, that's over there. So uh, I wanted to make sure I... I not just gave Audrey a shout out, but like told you about, um, about that interview and, and just about that great podcast. So go listen to it after you listen to this one. Okay. What's the next thing? Oh, actually the next thing is about the free guide. So we talk about how this is a long form podcast, right? This is a show that, um, we really dig into. I want you guys to hear my thinking. I want you to really understand what goes on in the mind of a, of a, child development expert and um, use that in your own life, right? Uh, but sometimes you might just want a free, a, a quick way to handle something. And so I've created two free guides. One is for how to handle every temper tantrum. And the other one is to help you feel successful at potty training, even in stressful situations. So you can find those right in your show notes here in the podcatcher that you're listening to. Um, and I, this week I decided to do something, something a little bit different. So you can get either of those free guides, right? And what happens is automatically into your inbox, the free guide arrives. And then I've got some other resources and I tell stories that like, I never 
pretty well haven't told on the podcast. There's at least one I can think of I haven't told on the podcast. And so when you sign up for a free guide, you get every every day or so, every couple of days, you get an email from me um, that talks about like some other aspect of this this thing that you uh, need help with or that you signed up to get help with. But some people don't want that. Some people uh, would rather be, you know, getting a, a weekly update. I, I, I share really valuable um, ideas and stories and thoughts every single week for the email group. And <clears throat> when you join the email group via a free guide, then, then you're also subscribed to those weekly emails. And of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. Like I, there's no pressure here to, to kind of, um, I want you to take what you want and leave the rest. Like that is my whole jam. Um, I think it's, it's really cool that, that I can offer you something that you would, that you would get a lot of use out of. Um, and so if you want to skip the, if you don't have a child right now, who's like in temper tantrum hell, or, uh, if you're, if you're not worrying about the potty training quite so much, um, just sign up for the weekly parenting guide. So you can get that either by going to we turned out okay.com slash weekly hyphen parenting, or what I did. And this is why I thought I was so darn clever. Uh, you can actually find this just by scrolling down in your podcatcher. So just below the links to the two free guides, there's also now a link in this episode, starting with this one and going forward to just the weekly parenting newsletter, if you if you just want that. And um, so those are those are three ways for you to connect with me via email. Two of them, I think, will give you some super helpful um, stuff. You can you can you can watch the checklist. <laughs> watch the checklist. You can watch the video and read the checklist that comes at the beginning of each of those uh, free guides. Like the first email that you get has a, a video and a checklist in it. And you can you can feel better about this like in an afternoon. You know what I mean? You can you can take this stuff in and that same day you can be acting on reducing the temper tantrums and handling them better. You can be acting on uh, getting the right mindset for successful potty training. And, um, and so that's what those are for. So definitely go grab them if you, um, if you, if that idea resonates with you. And let me tell you, there have been a lot of people grabbing them. I've, um, I've seen uh, people joining the email group, you know, it's, it's many, many, many people have joined since I, uh, since I started talking about this on the show. And I, I, I'm so grateful. And I'm also glad because I feel like what I'm doing, what I get to do is inform you about something that might be helpful for you. And um, if it is, that's awesome. So finally, I just want to say thank you so much for being here, for listening. Um, for if you, you know, if the, if this resonates with you, if you would share the show, that would be super, super helpful. You could share it just with one friend. You could share it into an online parenting group that you belong to. Um, if you think that somebody's going to get something, some kind of benefit from the show, I really appreciate when you share it. Um, you can subscribe to the show and that means that you'll always know, you know, when it's, when it drops into your inbox. Sometimes I also do bonus episodes so you can, you can get first notification of those if you're subscribed. And lastly, I want to thank you so much for your, uh, your rating and reviewing of the show. When you give us a, a good review. I, I mean, my heart just sings. And, um, and Mandy, I kind of feel like that's, that's how I felt today when, when I read your, your letter, but, um, but rating it and reviewing it, giving it a quick, like a one sentence review and a rating in Apple podcasts, for example, is super helpful. Um, that's why I keep talking about it because it's the sort of thing that gets podcatchers to uh, feature, you know, to sort of put this in front of other people's eyeballs that might really get a benefit from it. So, so, um, thank you so much for doing that. All right. On to the show. We're going to get right into Maureen Healy here and I can't wait for you to hear her. So here we go. Today's guest really knows about your child's emotional health. Her first book, Growing Happy Kids, won awards and continues to help parents bring up happy children. She's an international keynote speaker and has fulfilled this role at one of my favorite organizations in the whole world, the National Association for the Education of Young Children. Through her Psychology Today blog, which has reached millions of parents and educators and is filled with great ideas about raising emotionally healthy children, today's guest helps us learn about how to keep our kids happy and emotionally healthy. <laughs> 
And she's got a great new book out. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Child. And I just know you're going to love to hear from her today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Maureen Healy. Welcome, Maureen. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that uh, that we get to do this. This is I feel like this one's been a long time in the making, <laughs> trying to <laughs> schedule it and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really glad that um, that you could be with us. I read as I was researching our conversation, I read that you got your degrees from Clark University, or at least one of them from Clark. Is that true in Worcester? I, I got two. I did um, a five-year program, so undergraduate psych and graduate business. Oh, awesome. I um, was just, I live right near Worcester, so I was just there this weekend to go and see this crazy uh, singing group or musical group called the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Awesome. <laughs> and awesome. It was, I haven't been back since I graduated, but I'd love to go back. It's a, You know what? It's really up and coming. Like, so Worcester, you, you may have been there when it was kind of a really unhappy place, and, and it's, it's coming back. People... Um, People are like, we go there. I mean, I've been to an event in Worcester. Like, this is the first time I've done that in a long, long time. But I've got friends who who have moved deliberately there and they're loving it. And and it's just, I don't know, it's nice to see it when a city bounces back a little bit. So um, did you grow up around here in, in Massachusetts? No, I grew up on the East Coast, but not not New England. Oh, um, and uh, what did you did you enjoy your time in Massachusetts? <laughs> Yeah, no, I lived in Worcester for school, and I and then I moved to Boston. I love Boston. I mean, Massachusetts is great. I have family in Connecticut. Went to Maine a lot, New oh, Hampshire. Cool. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. I mean, you, you really have seasons, which is a joy. It really, really is. And did you? And you're now on the West Coast, right? You're in. Are you in California? I am on the West Coast. Yeah, and that's a pretty beautiful place too. I have visited and um, and loved. I went. I got to uh, be in a friend's wedding out in uh, the San Francisco area, and um, it's it's a, it's a special place as well, California. So totally not boring, but special not, for sure. <laughs> not boring, exactly. <laughs> that's very very true. Um, so your background is in child psychology, and I I always like to ask a guest at the beginning. Did you always know? that you were that you wanted to work with children or did that come up for you kind of gradually well like i mentioned i had a ba and an mba and then i started working in business coaching ceos um i love working in business i just love i don't know something about business i still enjoy Mm -hmm. uh but i really sometimes at least when i was in business working with the big accounting firms in new york uh sometimes the executives would act like children and I got really frustrated. So I said, why aren't I working with children? So I actually went back to school and pursued a PhD in child development and child clinical psychology and, and uh, fell in love with working with children. Wow. What a cool route to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, Are there any, uh, are there any experiences that stand out for you in your work with kids, I suppose, or in your work with childlike CEOs? <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you I, I, get, get more specific because everything stands out to me. I so. mean, you've, uh, so one of the things that I love about you is you, you don't just work with children in the U.S. You, you have a real international um, kind of feel. And I guess I'd love to hear some stories about, about the international kind of work that you do or in some of the memorable things that you've done elsewhere in the world. Well, sure. I I went and I lived at the base of the Himalayas in India at one point and worked with Tibetan refugee children. So that was awesome. Wow. UK, I worked in Mexico. And nowadays I do a lot of work on Zoom. So I do a lot of sort of video work, conferencing, coaching with children and also their parents. And, you know, wherever we may be, the same issues sort of arise. So depending on the culture and the child and the background, they need different things. But um, I also have a specialty with highly sensitive children. Mm -hmm. So that draws a lot of people to me because I'm more accessible so I can help. Yeah. Uh, How... Hmm. I feel like there is about a million directions I kind of want to go in at this point. Um, I I was thinking about the particularly the refugee children. And um, I wonder if if you could share with us a little bit about what your work doing that was like and and um, particularly thinking about the sensitive children. I mean, how do you not be a sensitive child, I guess, in a in a refugee camp? I'm so curious about like what that experience was like for you. Sure. Well, I went to study with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and work with the children. And, you know, I got involved in the community. I lived in India for a bit and, you know, I wrote for the newspaper and I taught monks English. And so I really got involved. Wow. 
But working with the children, I mean, it's extraordinary because kids are kids wherever you go. Um, and children, you know, that naivete and innocence is beautiful because, you know, to them, you know, they're just they just want to have fun. They want to enjoy their life. They don't have the weight of the world typically on them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just from my perspective, I had been working in a clinic in Queens and I was um, seeing a lot of children being medicated and us, you know, coming from a very Western perspective in Mm -hmm. psychology. And I really wanted to see how did the Eastern, how did they nurture well-being and happiness? So that was completely different. So from my perspective, I gained a lot, you know, for example, when they take a child home, say from the hospital, if they're giving birth in the hospital, the first thing they do is walk them into the house and show them the altar and say, hey, you'll need this more than anything. So it's just a different perspective on what the value system is, because it's, you know, sort of a one culture in in the Tibetan community. Mm. So it was just a whole different perspective on how they nurtured well-being. And for me, that was really valuable to see. And um, I'm thinking about um, the Dalai Lama. And you you were saying that you worked, did you work actually with the Dalai Lama? I studied with him. I didn't, you know, you you didn't teach him. (laughs) get him a cup of tea. Of course I would, but it was yeah. me and many others. Oh, so, that's so um, but it, it was just an extraordinary experience. Um, and he's, he's not in Tibet. I, I, I'm trying to remember, I feel like um, what I've read is that he was exiled from, from Tibet, you know, right. a long time so ago. Northern India. So the base of the Himalayas. Yeah. So, so right, Northern India. Wow. And I mean, I, I just, we obviously we can't get into the whole, the politics of it and the, and the, um, the, the intricacies there, but you're absolutely right. Children are children the world over. And um, I, it's making me think right now of, a, of a, an, Im- an image I just saw about there's this uh, group of migrant children and, and their families who are sort of marking, marching towards the border. And I believe they're actually here. They've they've made it to the border. And I saw a, a picture of people waiting in line for food. And um, there was this one sort of lone child who was digging in with a, with a with a happy look on his face too, like to the you know the food that was being dished out in the refugee camp and I, and that was my thought as well like you know if you're a, a kid and and you're really looking forward to this meal it's going to taste good <laughs> no matter where you are you know totally totally yeah. yeah and i mean we all we all have been in survival mode at different points and hopefully we're now into thrival mode but yeah i mean that's that's you know basic needs have to be met in order to be healthy and happy so yeah yeah, yeah um I, that's really i think what i want to what i want to dig into is is the the meat the needs that that need to be met um because i feel like you have a little bit of a different perspective on them than um then so you sometimes hear you talk about helping kids grow up happier by learning to overcome challenges and build skills. And I guess I'm wondering how come our happiness depends on these qualities? Like it seems counterintuitive to me. So get, so tell me the question again. So I get it. So, (laughs) sorry. Um, I, I'm thinking about how kids, uh, they have basic needs that need to be met. And so I think when I when I think about or when a parent may think a listener may think, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to meet my child's needs and they'll they'll be happy. I'm going to get them food. I'm going to get them the food that they want and no other food. I'm going to get them, you know, the shoes that they choose in the store. I'm going to I'm going to like these are the needs I think that, that we think of. And, and you come at it from a little bit of a different perspective, which is a little bit like you have to be confronted with challenges and mm-hmm. and overcome those challenges in order to be happy. And I, I do you see the sort of difference? Yeah, I mean, I think we all fall into the um, parenting pitfall of wanting to put our kids in a bubble and make everything safe. And I'll get, I'll get you that <clears throat> glass of water. Or let me do this or let me do that. But, you know, children need to have the direct experience of failure and learning how to get back up again. And that doesn't just mean, you know, failing a spelling quiz. It just means learning how to directly interact with life. And we, of course, need to keep them safe and help them on their way and give them all sorts of guidance and, you know, do things for them, of course. But, you know, there is that thing that they need to do on their own, which is learn how to, you know, stand up for themselves and use their words and learn how to transform um, lemons to lemonade. And sometimes lemons are just lemons. That's okay, too. But you Mm -hmm. don't want them to always be looking on the outside for satisfaction. Oh, that's such a great quote. You don't want to always be look them to always be looking on the outside for satisfaction. Um, 
I guess this is more of a philosophical question. This was the this was the one I was trying to get to before. I it, it just seems weird to me sometimes that happiness depends on on making mistakes or, or, or falling down and figuring out how to get back up. Does it feel like that to you too? Or is that, is that, is it still too philosophical? No, no, absolutely. I mean, living on this planet, there's no one who doesn't experience suffering and challenges. Just, just the nature of being here. You know, it's not, you can have all the money in the world and you still have heartbreak and sorrow at times. So it's learning how to use all of our experiences, not just the ones that feel good and just running to everything that feels good, but using it all. Yeah. you know, the idea that no experience is wasted or everything can be fodder for your best life. So, yeah. you know, I have found in my path is just that the happiest and healthiest people have had, you know, major challenges. These aren't people who have had a cakewalk. So I think that it is helping our children um, really use those challenges. And that's central to becoming healthier and happier. I would agree. God, that's so interesting. I, um, when, when my son was, he's now 18, but when he was five, well, actually he was born with a, uh, with a, a problem in one of his feet or his legs. He, he, he had what the doctor called one third of a club foot. And, um, as a result, he always, he ran in this really, what I thought was an extremely cute little way. He had like a little gallop and, um, but it was, it was bad for him. You know, he sort of toe walked on that side. And, um, when we finally got it, our doctor kept saying, or we, we would go to a doctor, like an orthopedist and they would say, Oh, he'll grow out of it. He'll grow out of it. And, um, by the time he was about five, we thought, you know what, we don't want him to just grow out of it. Like this feels wrong. (laughs) And, um, so we took him to uh, our pediatrician said, do you want to take him to the best uh, child orthopedist in Boston. And we said, yes, please. And um, so we waited a couple of months and we we go to see this doctor at Children's Hospital Boston. And he he took one look at our son walking and he said, okay, where is x-rays? And we were like, no one's ever asked for x-rays before. And he said, he said, okay, that's outrageous. Go get some x-rays. And when you, we, when you come back, um, when we came back, he basically said, well, you can see how the bones in his foot are being shaped badly like you you know the the stress on them is causing them to be mis become misshapen he says we needed to get this kid into surgery like asap and so we you know we we planned it but it was within that next month or two and um i he had always we do have a very sensitive boy and um i we my husband and i were just so not sure that he was going to make it through this this whole thing like we you know how do you how do you not be able to walk like how do you cope with a cast and a you know uh the pain of it all and everything like that and um I remember having a meeting with his physical therapist and the physical I said I I can't believe how well he's come through this you know and the physical therapist yeah kids just do they really they 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 don't have any sort of preconceived notions they just they just Mm -hmm. come to it and they and they you know, basically rise to the challenge. And he ended up, um, the doctor predicted that in a few weeks, he would be forgetting about his crutches. And we were like, yeah, right. And he really did that. He just sort of, he adapted, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I just, it's making me think about, um, you know, how kids, they do come to everything with, with an open mind. They don't know anything else like, but that. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. experiment and they, you know, they, they move to their own, rhythms i guess a little bit right but he also had your support to overcome everything which was tremendous that is true and thank you for that yeah he it's true he did um and we god i can remember um he was so good with the pain scale work i I do want to move into talking about feelings real soon and um the pain scale for children as i'm sure you know and maybe maybe listeners know as well is like it starts with a happy face when there's no pain and and it, it sort of gradually the face gets more and more upset until by the time you get to 10 the the face is just there's tears and there's a really upset looking face and he was able to use that from the minute he saw it like he would say to us i'm feeling this way now and so we would know that he needed you know more uh medication or 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 that he needed to relax and stop doing something that he was doing or whatever and um it just impressed me so much (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i'm wondering do you see that kind of resiliency the the world over I mean, it depends. I think that's why I mentioned the connection. I think connection is really important for resiliency, being able to feel connected and being able to have the love of people, whether it's your parents, whether it's a community, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a wonderful teacher in school who believes in you, Mm. some sort of 
connection is really important because when one, someone believes in you, you can just start to believe in yourself or you can say, oh, maybe it's not so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, things could be worse. But when you're left on your own devices as a child dealing with something, it's infinitely harder. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And uh, when you talk about how it's so much easier for you to believe in yourself when somebody else believes in you. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's such an important role for parents and teachers. And um, it just feels so good when it's when it's fulfilled, you know, when it's kind of when it's done well. Um, So much of your work focuses on feelings. And um, I would love to talk about that, especially in in context with the book. and I, I, I had, I'd made a note to talk, to share a story. I know I just literally shared a story, but <laughs> if I can share another one, um, we've had a stressful couple of months in our home. Um, I got caught up in a flash flood in early October. Um, my husband's mom has spent some time in the hospital. I began to have an uptick in the physical symptoms that come along. I have a tendon disorder. So longtime listeners know I've been dealing with a, with a, a tendon disorder now for like seven and a half years. And it's it, at times it's had me in a wheelchair. At times I've had no practical use of my hands. I mean, it's been crazy. And um, the reason I bring that up is because I had a therapy appointment yesterday with my, with my psychologist. And he said, he said to me, you already know this. Cause what happens to me is I get pain in my tendons. And then if I don't, if I don't treat them properly, they scar over. Um, much more quick, quickly mm-hmm. than what happened to a to a person without this. So I've been taking in all of this stress and all of these fears and all these worries, and I'm starting to see the physical symptoms like below my neck, <laughs> you know. And mm-hmm. um, my doctor said, he said, you already know this. What goes on above the neck is connected with what goes on below, and vice versa. And um, I just wonder if you if you notice that in in your work with kids, or if that's something that you've thought about. Yeah, my second book is about indigo kids, and that's a what's an high, indigo not kid? only highly sensitive but strong will. Oh, so um, it's a yeah, it's the children who are not only emotionally very sensitive but also very stubborn or strong will. They're the kids who say, "I am not going to school today. I will not wear those socks." Oh, how did they get the name indigo kids? Is that something that you came up uh, with? No, it's a metaphysical term oh. that that talks about the color of their aura actually. Oh, but cool. <laughs> I use the word indigo because it was the most commonly identifiable word with that sort of population of people. Yeah. So it is, it's, it's, you know, basically these kids who are very intense, strong willed, and sometimes people would say defiant. And I would say a little bit on the fierce side, because they came to sort of, you know, create positive changes in the world. They're, they're little leaders and they're hard to parent. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yep. But sometimes they'll internalize their feelings, which is what you're talking about. And like, you know, when they feel powerless, they get stomach aches, right? When they're stressed, they might get headaches. So they do a lot of those kind of internalizations that come out in their body. Oh, wow. I think we have one of those in our house. Um, I, we call him, we call our, our, our son, one of our sons, we, we used to call him when he was small, our little Napoleon, <laughs> because he really, he <laughs> liked to be in charge and he, he did have, um, he still actually will channel things into his body. And, and if he's, if he's experiencing a setback, he'll feel it physically. And I, I'd never mm-hmm. thought I'm going to have to, uh, now I'm going to have to read the second one. Um, because mm-hmm. I think that that's, Oh, that's such a fascinating concept. And I'd never really put the two sides of that together, you know, mm-hmm. of an indigo kid. Um, do you find it helpful to teach people that feelings are not just in our minds, but in our body as well? Well, if I think about children, um, uh, you know, same things applies to parents and adults of any of anywhere, mm-hmm. whether you have kids or not. I always think that we're reparenting our own inner child anyway. So yep. uh, everything applies. But um you know, feelings come and go. That's an important point to know. But the first place many people often can grab them is in our body. So, you know, that's why when children are angry, I work with them like, you know, what are your anger signs? You know, some kids say I, I, my heart gets fat, you know, my heart beats faster. Some kids say I start making fists. Other kids mm. say, you know, my face gets red. So learning your triggers or your signs is essential. I mean, in my own life, I know that if I'm sad about something, I may not always consciously know it, but if I'm eating bagels every single day, I'm sad. <laughs> oh, it's a, yeah. You want the comfort food. 
Right. So on the third day, I'm like, this is the third day I've had bagels. I'm like, Maureen, what's wrong? Like I actually, then I step back and go, ah, I'm upset about X, Y, Z. I didn't even realize, you know what I mean? So we all have to throughout our lives need to know what are our triggers? What are our signs? How do we help bring our, you know, if we think of emotional health as the skill of balance, how do we bring ourselves back to center and back to balance? Oh, I love that. Um, As parents, how can we... I was my first question was going to be how can we help kids connect with their feelings but I I feel like I wonder if you've got ideas about how how we parents can kind of tune into our own feelings first or if you feel yeah. like that's important Oh, of course. I mean, I think the more we keep our emotional house in order, so to speak, and that we learn about ourselves, a better and easier way it is to teach not only through our words, but through our demonstration. But, um, you know, I think it's a process of becoming more and more self-aware. So I'm a big believer in mindfulness. some religious thing. It just means paying attention in a certain way without judgment, as many of us know, and just doing it in ways that work for us, whether it's a mindfulness audio, whether it's meditation, whether it's just paying attention. You could be washing the car paying attention. It doesn't matter where you are, but it matters the level of awareness that you bring to whatever you're doing. And also to slow down. I think all of us are, as parents and adults, we're really busy. We're just busy. We're running to school, we're running back from school. We're running. I mean, it's, it's yeah. okay. It's the nature of our life. But if we can build in some less busy times to create some awareness and some deep breaths and really taking a pause, I think that's important to figure out, you know, to spot our emotions when they're small versus when they're gigantic. And, you know, we get anger storm yeah well this this conversation is going to air in um in the early part of 2019 and Mm -hmm. i think this is such a a compelling moment to think about that because a lot of people get to the beginning of the year and they're like all right this year is going to be different you know (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. this is uh, this is the year that i blank and and um i know for myself uh this is the time of year where i i try to reset and i love uh, especially up here in new england where we get we get those really dark afternoons and evenings and um i i tend to think of it as a time for me to just hole up and and really slow down you know i'll Mm -hmm. um I'll spend a little more time cooking something that takes a long time to cook, baking bread, for example, or something that where I'm not just tossing it into the toaster oven, but I'm like thinking about what I'm doing. And I, and, uh, I, I feel like I, you, we've got a little bit more time, maybe if we're lucky at the beginning of the year. Um, but how do we, if we, if we're talking, this conversation is, it, our listeners are hearing it in like, say, late January, early February. How can we so that when we get to next November, when we're having this conversation, still feel <laughs> in connection with our emotions? And, and uh, how do we do this over the long term for ourselves? I mean, I, I'm a big believer in things that you measure. So, you know, I think that and, and I don't think in life we often have to add things. Sometimes it's just about deleting. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. maybe I- you xyz anyway maybe maybe you know you know we go from five extracurricular activities to four or maybe i you know take a class each week to do yoga or you know something to help slow down and really center ourselves but to talk about habits i i use you know i try to use technology because it's not going away and it can be our friend yeah so I do my best to use it to my benefit. And I use a meditation app every day. And, um, you know, if I don't meditate, the app is like, so uh, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Can you share what app? I'll link to it in the show notes for for our listeners. I use Sattva. It's, uh, I can spell it, S-A-T-T-V-A. But it it just means purity. Oh, cool. Um, and I, I use that because when you're, you know, meditating, you use the timer, it says, Oh, you're meditating with 900 other people or whatever it is. And it's nice because it just makes me slow down. And, you know, I don't meditate a long time every day, but I do my best to slow down. Some days it's five minutes, other days it's 20 minutes, but I like the idea of before I jump into my day to feel calm and centered. And, and that helps me because it gives me a reserve of energy if things do go off the rails. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I can have more patience. I can remember to take my deep breaths. I can remember this too will pass. Yeah. So I think we have to do those things to help us come as adults and parents and teachers so that when those moments do show up, like a month ago, my car didn't start. And I was like, all right, well, it is what it is. I can't do it. You know, but I wasn't upset. You know what I mean? But I think that's because I practiced. Wow. 
Yeah. And so if we are thinking about we if we make this determination in January or February, we're going to we're going to slow down. We're going to think about, you know, taking deep breaths. We're going to think about not not we're going to think about, as you said before, just finding that kernel of of bad feeling or negative feeling and identifying it and, and you know, figuring out. <laughs> Why am I on my third day of bagels? Um, right. And then we can but still be, we can be doing that next November. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, sure, sure. I would, I would say, you know, it doesn't have to take a long time and it doesn't have to be meditation. It can be two minutes of gratitude every day when we wake up driving the kids to school. You know, what can we be grateful for? It's just small practices that lift our mood, that help us get us in the fright, right frame of mind, that I think build the positive momentum. Because mm-hmm. the better we feel, the better we so it's all about how do I feel my best so that when those moments come up with your child, knowing there's nothing more important than that child in that moment, you can allow, you can realize that that child's just looking for love, even if it's not coming out in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a mom, well, she was an author and a mom, a woman I had on my show uh, earlier this year. Her name's Shannon O'Brien. And I'm going to link to her in the show notes as well. Um, she shared something that I just thought was such a great idea. It was to ask your child what's one thing I can do for you right now? And I, we, uh, we talked about it. She talked about it in the context of uh, every Monday I offer a, a, a f- small phrase or sometimes even just one word um, that a parent can use in a specific situation with a child. And so like I call them magic words for parents and there have been magic words for everything from like, you know, getting good manners at the dinner table to, um, to, you know, to, to this particular one, which was like, how can I bond with my child? And, and she just, she said, she sort of shared this story about how she had, she heard it from somebody else and she tried it and what her child really wanted. Cause you have to commit to doing whatever it is your child wants. Right. And sometimes they just want to hug, but sometimes in her case, she said, my, my child wanted me to watch him play video games for 10 minutes. And, and like, mm-hmm. that's what they really want. And so I think sometimes our instinct is to be like, mm-hmm. Oh no, that's not what you really want, but it is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I just, it's yeah, so- the saying, the saying I use, sorry to interrupt. The saying I use, use with kids sometimes is I ask, what do you need? Which is similar to what you're saying. Yes. And they'll tell you exactly what you need. And it may be very surprising or it may be, you know, so, yeah, something you- that isn't surprising necessarily, but is, is just right there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me think of, uh, with my own son, I, I think sometimes as a podcaster, like a, especially in the parenting space, I, uh, I I will, I think about it like there's podcast Karen who really knows her stuff. I'm a child development expert. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. Right. And then there's mom Karen who can forget all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, my son and I, uh, he was 16 at the time and he really wanted to get a job at a place that was about a half hour away from where we are. And he really wanted, he already had his, his learner's permit, but his idea was I'm going to get my driver's license and then you'll only have to drive me for a couple of months and then I can drive myself. Please, please, please. All my friends work there, etc. And my husband and I were like, basically to him, we were like, no, no, no. Can't you find a job somewhere closer? That's so far away, blah, blah, blah. And he was able to, one day we were driving along in the car and he said to me, can you just hear me? Can you just hear what I'm saying? This is what I want. This is how I want a job. I don't want a job the way that you're asking me to have a job. I want a job this way. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I hadn't framed it that. He framed it so, so well. And he is, I mean, he's had that same job now for, oh, over a year. And he's, he loves it, you know? And, and uh, I feel like listening to him, it's the same kid that was trying to tell me things that I was, you know, either successful or not at, at listening to him when he was small. So for our listeners who generally are parents of kids, you know, sort of eight, 10 and, and under, um, mm-hmm. they are, they are really good, aren't they at articulating themselves if we give them the chance? I think, I think they can learn if they're not, if they're not naturally good at it. I think they, they want to be able to find the words for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I would love to talk, we've got, you know, our time is, is growing a little bit short. I'd love to talk uh, specifically about some of some parts of the emotionally healthy child that really resonated with me that I thought would really uh, resonate with our listeners. And then also I wanted to ask you, Maureen, if you had any, uh, any favorite tips or ideas from, from the book. Um, could we, could you tell us about the iceberg tool? If you, if you, um, if you don't remember it, I have it marked or, you know, if you want me to read about it, but. It was such a great tool. Uh, it was from. Oh, I got it. 
it. I got it. Good, How good, funny. Good. I opened to it. That's so funny. <laughs> um, sure. Um, this is something, you know, just imagine the concept of an iceberg, you know, children. And, and from my standpoint in the book, The Emotionally Healthy Child, I wrote about, you know, all different emotions. But the idea of helping children begin to identify and constructively express them. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the iceberg is if you're sad to identify your sadness. So because the iceberg is cold and blue. Mm-hmm. And, and but the idea is that the iceberg is mostly underwater. So we have to look at, um, you know, what you don't see, how do you pick up on those things in your body and what you're feeling so that you can see your sadness. Um, did you, did you use the iceberg or how did you, did you read it and felt it very compelling? Tell me what your thoughts were. I felt it so compelling because so much of what goes on in our bodies is under the surface and we don't, Mm -hmm. we don't, think about it. And, and actually, I was thinking about it yesterday with Dr. Go- with my doctor when he was saying to me, you, you know, what goes on above the neck is connected with what goes on below. And I just thought, that's exactly what that to me, that's what that what that meant, what that what resonated was this idea of an iceberg. You've got to think about what's going on there <laughs> in, yeah. in parts of your body that you don't usually think about, you know, Right. And I guess from my standpoint, you know, one of the keys to uh, one of the themes throughout my book, The Emotionally Healthy Child and in raising an emotionally healthy child is helping them create Mm self-awareness. really what that exercise does, um, which is, you know, what, what, what are your own personal signals that help you know that you're sad? So every child is different. There'll be one child who has a stomachache. There'll be one child who, you know, uh, feels cold in their hands, whatever it is, but it's identifying what their signals are. And of course, you know, what they can do to help them express that emotion constructively. Yeah. Yeah. My son used to, um, when he, when he was really young, say eight and under, he couldn't, he didn't say my feelings are hurt. He would, Mm -hmm. he would, for example, he'd get hit with a dodgeball in the shoulder and he would grab his knee and drop to the ground screaming. Um, because that was, that was where he felt that pain. You know what I mean? And, um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I wished that I had had a tool like that or that I'd known of a tool like that then, because I think he did eventually, the, the day that he said to me, my feelings are hurt. I, mm-hmm. I cried that day because it, it was, I cried happy tears because it mm-hmm. meant that he was able to connect up what was going on in his body with what was, with what was going on in his mind. And, um, I, I just got this sense of like, he's going to be okay, you know? And, um, right. I think this is something that can really help parents both inside, like yesterday I'm in my doctor's office and this is happening inside me. Right. But mm-hmm. you know, we can also uh, use it to help our, our kids. And I right. just think that's so, um, that's one of, many tools, by the way, for you listening, go get this book. It's really great. Um, I, I, well, so I actually, I'd love to give you a chance, uh, Maureen Healy to uh, share about like, some of some of the parts of the book that resonated most with you. Um, But I I also want to talk about um, one particular chapter that really resonated with me. And uh, I'm just, I'm trying to decide, uh, or maybe I would, I would ask you, would you rather talk about my, my idea first, or would you rather uh, dive into some of the things that you, you know, that, that work for you in the book or that resonated with you? Well, since I wrote the book, I love the whole darn thing. What can I say? <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Let's, let's chat about what, what, what was compelling to you. Oh, it was, it was the idea of progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just felt like just reading just before I even got to the chapter itself, right? Mm-hmm. Reading the table of contents and, you know, you're going through the tools and the habits and, and the, the, and, and I could feel not tension, but I guess I could feel a little bit of like, this is so great. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take all this in, but it's a little scary because I don't know it yet. And I get to the, the, to this chapter, which is one of the last ones, if it's not actually the last one. And it says, Chapter seven, progress, not perfection. And I thought, okay, this is permission for me to make mistakes as I'm going through this. This is, this is a way that I can um, not fear learning these tools, I guess. And, uh, and I, I just appreciated that. I don't know. I thought that was a really cool, a cool chapter and a cool, uh, you know, way to, way to frame 
parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, kids need that more than ever. The idea of just progress. I mean, that's the, that's that growth mindset. That's that ability to fall down and get back up again. And like we said earlier, you know, the happiness does come from challenges. So if we want kids to be healthier and ultimately happier, we need to help them really embrace discomfort and embrace having challenges and embrace not being perfect yeah. because always if you're only happy when you fill in the blank whether it's you know getting your new friend or getting 100 on the spelling quiz or whatever it may be you sort of set yourself up for not feeling great so that's we want to do the opposite yeah yeah can you talk about the 24-hour rule that's part of this chapter oh that's funny Um, (laughs) well that was a story from my own life when i was i think right out of college and i was working in a small startup actually in in massachusetts oh cool yeah. And, uh, my boss was the CFO and, you know, I, I would get really frustrated. I'd get an email and someone wasn't so nice and I'd want to just send off an email back. And I think I did. And, uh, you know, my boss called me into his office. He said, I need you to employ the 24 hour rule. And I'm like, what's that? I mean, I'm, I was like young, but I was like, all right, I'll sure. That sounds good. But he said, you need to, when you're angry or frustrated, wait 24 hours till you respond. And, you know, sure enough, 24 hours later, you always felt differently. You're like, yeah, that wasn't that big of a deal. So it's the same idea with children. You ha- we, what we're wanting to do here is help them create a pause, help them learn that feelings come and go, help them learn how to stop and catch themselves calm and then make a smarter choice. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's though that's the stop, calm and make a smarter choice is a theme throughout the book. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one example of the 24 hour rule that I learned in my 20s because your brain isn't even fully developed till mid 20s, usually around 26. Mm-hmm. And, and judgment is the last thing to come online. Oh, wow. For anyone there raising and, you know, a young adolescent, we know. So, um, but, but being able to, to, you know, learn how to catch ourselves and let time pass when we're frustrated is, it's a skill. Yeah, it takes practice. It's very true, and it's it's so helpful in our lives. Um, and then it, you know to be able to teach it to our kids. It's a, that's a hard concept for kids to get. I feel like. <laughs> so stop calm and make a smart choice. I mean, mm-hmm. just to take those moments to to breathe and and you know give it give it a little bit of time. Uh, do you find that this works well in in your own life or or with with this with the uh, with the children you work with, I, I think it might work for me for other emotions besides anger. I feel like it could be useful in terms of sadness because sometimes uh, we will, it's easier to feel anger than sadness. So if we, if we, if we, our feelings are hurt, it's easy to become angry and lash out. And I guess that really, it ends up amounting to the same thing, doesn't it? Cause then you're angry. So now you got to wait, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's any emotion. I mean, we have to remember, I mean, there's a section in the Emotionally Healthy Child, the book that talks about the ideas that we need to learn about how emotions work. And one of them is that they come and they go, they're temporary. Mm. So we tend to believe even as adults that that sadness or that anger or that jealousy or that frustration, it's going to last forever and you hold on to it. But if you let it go, it will just go. Yeah. (laughs) So learning how to let things kind of come and go is important. And whether it's sadness, anger, frustration, you know, whatever emotions. I mean, even kids, even when they're young and they don't have the language yet, science proves that they have these deep emotions, whether it's jealousy and shame or feeling left out. And, and uh, you know, they have these rich emotional lives which include fear and worry and anxiety. So helping them with that, I, I, you know, like you mentioned before, the book, The Emotional Healthy Child, has a lot of tools that yeah. I love and, and they've proven to work. Yeah. So I like parents and teachers to use it as a starting point. You might come up with your own creative tool, but it's, it's a place to begin. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what are some of your, what are some of your favorites? If you can just pick one or two um, of the, either the tools or the ideas or the habits Maybe actually, maybe one of each. Sure, I'll give you one idea and one tool. Okay, cool. So, um, one idea that is pivotal for children that they typically don't get—I mean, they just don't get on their own—is mm-hmm. like if I was working with a child, and, I, and say it was a child that had was frustrated, and you know, anger is one of those emotions that comes in very quick. It's very fast. Yeah gratitude which is slow so every emotion has a speed so uh so i so i said oh you know 
did you feel angry quickly? And they go, yes. So did, how, did you feel like the anger was small or was it big, bigger than you, bigger than me? So, so I often say, do you realize that you're bigger than the anger? And, you know, he would say, no. So helping a child learn that they're bigger than any emotion is mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. because when they're bigger than their emotion, they have the power to send it on its way. Do you know what I mean? They have the power to recognize themselves in the rightful place to the emotion versus thinking that they don't have a choice. They're, they're, it's the emotions just happening to them versus it's them who are having a feeling and they have the power to send it in a different direction. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's an aha for most kids. Yeah. It, you know, it's an aha for, for, I think maybe even some adults. Um, and again, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my therapy session yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been having, uh, I've been having some, I guess you'd call it imposter syndrome, and it's come from um, some critiques that I've I've gotten, and mm-hmm. you know, like ninety nine percent of the of the of the acclaim for this for the podcast for the work that I do is positive, right? But there's that one percent of negative, uh, you know, criticism. And my um, my therapist said yesterday, uh, you're, you know, you. I'm not even sure if you want to let the, those negative things have a seat on the plane, but you absolutely mm-hmm. cannot put those things in charge of flying it. He said, you, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you've got to figure out where the appropriate um, uh, place is, you know, you're in charge. That's not in charge kind of a thing. And it, it's really, it's making me think about um, this, the, like I'm relating it right now to the idea that you're, you, you show kids, okay, I'm bigger than this emotion and I'm in charge. The emotion's not in charge. I'm in charge of the emotion. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, when we, when we as children or adults learn how emotions work, then there is this, uh, you know, natural sense of empowerment, that education, that inspiration. So, and that carries people a long way. Um, the tool that I would share with you mm-hmm. is, uh, it's called the Smart Choices Checklist, and it's in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that, you know, oftentimes kids, let's be honest, don't make smart choices about things when they begin, but that's simply because they don't recognize they're at choice. So I define a smart choice as something that's good for you and good for others. Um, for example, a child may scream and throw their notebook across the room in the classroom. It's good for him because he lets out his anger. It may not be good for the kid who's hit with a notebook. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so making a choice that's good for you and good for others. So, you know, helping a child identify, okay, when you're frustrated or sad or feeling any big emotions, what are three things you can do in the classroom to help you make a smarter choice? You can talk to the teacher. You can take a nature break. There's some water on your face in the bathroom. You can, you know, there's a bunch of things you can de- take deep breaths. And then, you know, also a smart choices checklist. What are the three to five things you can do at home when you're feeling a big emotion? Mm-hmm. I've heard everything from sit under my favorite tree outside to eat an apple. You know, it's the child comes up with the smart choices and you can hang it in their bedroom or their private space or they put it on their notebook, wherever they, you know, wherever they can see it and you can direct them to it. looks like you're having a big feeling. Why don't you pick something from the smart choices checklist and do it? And jumping on a trampoline in the backyard, it could be anything to let that emotion out. Yeah. Yeah. You just used a really interesting expression. You said, it looks like you're having a big feeling. And I just, I love that idea. And I'd love it if you would uh, share a little bit more about what big feelings are. Um, I think, you know, sometimes in life we feel neutral about things. <laughs> we feel, yeah, I don't care. I guess I could, I'll have that for lunch. I'll have that for lunch. And sometimes we feel a different intensity, a bigger feeling. We have not just, you know, we don't, we're not just annoyed or, or irritated. We're frustrated and angry. You know, we're having mm-hmm. a bigger emotion. So when, when a child's looks like they're headed in the direction of having a bigger emotion. Um, I would say, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. All emotions are good, but it's what you do with them. So helping Mm -hmm. them make a choice on what to do with it is important and helping them begin to identify their emotions and what they feel like. You know, a lot of kids, if they, if they haven't had this kind of training either at home or in school, they don't have, they don't always necessarily naturally have that emotional intelligence to recognize when Mm. they're having big emotions. Mm -hmm. So we do need to help them, um, 
And, and of course, you know, I think it's also important not only to say to them, hey, you're having a big emotion, but when mom or dad's having a big emotion, say, you know what, today's been a really hard day. Mom's having a big emotion or mom's yeah. feeling a little frustrated. It gives us I a way need- to talk about our emotions. Right. Yeah. I need five minutes in the bathroom to take some deep breaths. So I'll be right out and please just sit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I, you know what I love about it too? It's a neutral word. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, you're not, you're not assigning it like a bad or a good kind of connotation. It's just like, as you said, all emotions are good. It's what we do with them. And if you can think of them as, as this is so big, it's something that I need to pay attention to. I, I love it. Really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we're, our time is short. And um, I, I, I guess I wanted to end with uh, at the beginning of your book, at the beginning of The Emotionally Healthy Child, you start off with a quote from Khalil Gibran. And um, the, the, I'll read the, I'll read, it's very short. I'll read the whole thing. But um, the, the last part of it, just, you know, I got goosebumps reading it. Um, I love it. Anyway, okay, so it is. Keep me away from the wisdom which does not cry, the philosophy which does not laugh, and the greatness which does not bow before children. And I, I love it. And I, I, I hoped you would t- kind of talk about it as, a, as a, the, the opening to this book. Uh, you know, I just, I personally feel a deep connection to children and not only in that cheesy way that they're our future, but that they are, you know, pure and innocent and perfect and whole and complete. And they have that greatness of that biggest greatness that exists in all of us. It's in them and it's here for us to help them discover and share their unique gifts with the world. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we get lost in recognizing you know, it's, you know, since, since we're in this modern world, very busy, right? So we sometimes get lost in the profound gift I think a child is to us, whether it's our own child, whether it's our neighbor's child, whether, however the children who show up in our lives show up. And I'm just, um, you know, touched by children, but also the idea, the reason why I put the quote in the beginning is because emotional health is all emotions. It's feeling great. It's feeling not so great. It's embracing all of our emotions and learning how to express them constructively. Mm -hmm. So when when it says, keep me away from the wisdom, which does not cry, I think crying is very important. I think sadness has a place. We wouldn't, you know, it's like that Carl Jung quote, you know, you don't, you don't know happiness unless you've known sadness, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, keep me away and from keeping away from the foster, which does not laugh. I think laughter and joy and enthusiasm and optimism that has a place. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, we as we as, you know, as Joseph Campbell said, you know, following your bliss, that's just a brilliant idea that really does help uplift us. And then the idea, um, you know, keep me away from the philosophy, which does not bow before children, because children, I do think, you know, just come from a place that's perfect and they're they're here to bring great gifts that are unique every person has a uni- unique piece of the puzzle and that you know we don't necessarily um you know we're not built to quote unquote get along with everyone perfectly but to be tolerant and open-minded and learn how to help coax out every child's greatness i think is essential yeah and i i love it so much oh my gosh i'm really glad i asked about that because i had to be honest i had I guess I didn't discount it, but I sort of, I rushed right along to the final part about the children, right? Without thinking about the importance of crying and laughter. And um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's like a three part quote and every part is, is equal. Uh, it made me think of, mm-hmm. um, there's a song uh, that I've heard by, I've heard it done by Frank Sinatra. Um, it's about, um, it's about people just because we're kids, it's called. And the line is like, just because uh, I'm trying to remember some of the, I'm usually really, really good with, with, with verses, but it's basically about how, um, just because you, you're bigger than me doesn't mean that you have better ideas than me. Like mm-hmm. it might, you know, I'm, I'm a person here and my ideas count. And it just, I could just see some guy in a suit, you know, discounting a child and walking by them and, and, mm-hmm. and how, how wrong that would be and how sad that would, that, you know, when that happened, that shouldn't happen mm-hmm. because kids, um, some of the best ideas, you know, come from kids and, and are within kids. And, and it's all about the kinds of things we've been talking about, slowing down, seeing mm-hmm. things from within their eyes. Watch. I One of my favorite things is to watch a kid understand a concept um, like, like this water's cold. <laughs> 
<laughs> these soap mm-hmm. bubbles are soft, like those kinds of mm-hmm. things. Um, or just make a discovery find like peekaboo is, oh my God, I love playing peekaboo with little kids. It's just mm-hmm. so, there's so much about them that's so delightful. And, um, and that has a, a, that should have a huge place in, um, in our, in our lives and in our world. And, and it, mm-hmm. it's, it's on us to make sure that it does, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maureen Healy, I can't believe we are already at the end of this conversation. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, you can find Maureen at growinghappykids.com, which is her website. It's also the name of her first book. And um, it's a great it's a great website. I, I really enjoyed um, clicking around over there. Um, you can find me online at weturnedoutokay.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at weturnedoutokay. I have a book that's just come out. Um, as we're recording this, it's just about to come out on December the 4th. But um, as you're listening, it will have been out for a, for a month or two. Um, it's called 10 Secrets of Happy Parents. No, sorry. It's called 10 Secrets Happy Parents No. I don't know why I said that wrong. Um, and you can find that by going to weturnedoutokay.com slash books. And thank you so much for listening today. It means so much to Maureen and I to have you, uh, you know, have us in your earballs. <laughs> and finally, I've got a special thanks to our producer, the man who is helping me raise our emotionally healthy kids the 21 time winner of the husband of the year award benjamin Culp. and again thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time thank you for listening to we turned out okay i want to date to australia Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. I want to pee in the woods. Theater, 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 theater,